Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Morning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Patsy, would you lead us in an opening blessing, please? Sure. Let's just put a hand on our heart and uh, breathe in deeply. Exhale slowly. Mother, Father, God, we are just so grateful for every opportunity we have to expand. And we're so grateful for the opportunity we have every week to expand in community. And we just uh, commit in this moment to having everything that would serve as an impediment to that to that expansion, to um, our being aligned with the truth, be removed. We just, we're, we're committed to the removal of that. We're committed to learning, growing, really, really ingesting this and taking it in and being nurtured by it. We know that all that is needed for us, all the wisdom that we need in order to proceed is already planted in us and just help us strip away the things that are keeping it from us. We know that we are whole. We know that we are perfect. We know that we are complete. And this knowledge, as well as our hunger and our thirst for growth, we share with all other beings, knowing that we are connected with them in one consciousness. And so it is. Mm. Yes, ma'am. Beautiful. Uh, coming from a really fun, good uh, class with the other folks, the other practitioners, and uh, saying a quick, said a quick goodbye to Jennifer, who's been staying with me. It's been awesome to have such a great house guest, and Chris and I made a nice dinner for us last night, and we were able to, um, we did our blessing of uh, Venerable Dahani and, um, before we went to bed last night, and then woke up and did a practice this morning, so I'm feeling very connected to everyone, this community for sure, and I'm so grateful for all of my beloveds here in this group. Um, And I'd like to open the floor so that we can all share for, um, you know, the first part of class here, our experience of um, Venerable Dahani, and if there's any you'd like to share, any takeaways you had from the experience, any cool, I know some of you had some real cool experiences because you were text messaging me, very enthusiastic messages. Um, I'd like you all to be able to share at the group level now, uh, 
how the experience was for you. For me, Jesse, I thought it was like so great in the sense that just the way that she looked at everyone, like I was just like looking at how she was looking at Patsy and Amina and Chris and Brandon and you and your mom. And I was just like, oh my God, like she's really like seeing and, you know, like validating people. And for me, it's... um you know, I just saw, like, it was crazy. Like, during the, during this, uh, her talk, I literally, like, saw her face changing and shifting. And I knew that, like, we'd had past lives together. And the part that was really cool for me was when um, she said to listen to the music of the universe or of the world. And I closed my eyes and I just literally had this almost like a movie sort of clip going of all these sounds like, you know, it was like laughing and like the sound of rain and like horses running and like glass breaking and like, you know, a symphony and it was just like, you know, the sound of a kiss on a face and like the wind rustling leaves in the fall and it was just so great. At different points, like, I, some of the things that she said, especially the one where, you know, looking in the lake and seeing a reflection and seeing the stars, I mean, I was just like, I, I I was so emotional throughout the whole night. And it's funny because last time when she had come, I felt like when she was talking, I was almost like getting sleepy and I was at points not really getting everything that she was saying, but this time I felt like so present to literally everything that she was saying, like nothing, like, you know, I nothing went past me and it was just really, really beautiful and moving experience. And then like at the end when she was like, it's good to see you, I was just like, it was so amazing because throughout the thing, like when I was like having these experiences of like these past lives with her, I was like, oh my God, I've, like, I've been with her in a past life, and I've been with her in a past life. So when she said, like, it's good to see you, I was just, like, I don't know, in some way it felt to me, like, almost, like, validating my experience of, like, yes, we've had these lives together. So it's really, really cool for me. Yeah. I, I I can relate to so much of that. Uh, Sashant, really um, interesting what you said about when she asked us to listen to the music of the universe because I had a very similar experience to yours. Um, I I honestly, um, I had such a unique um, interior response to being in her presence. It was really was unlike anything I've ever known. And um, I kept trying to, later when I would go back over my thoughts about the evening, I kept trying to think, you know, what would I call that? What was it? And, um, it, I mean, it was in her words and all of that, but there was something about the the moments of the very direct eye contact where I had this sense of a type of impartation and um, 
like a like you know the the impartation of a blessing into me and then i realized what what it is is it's the it's the impartation of love in its purest form it was just there's such purity to her as a vessel that um a lot of that white noise that sometimes keeps us from making that deep connection with one another it just doesn't it doesn't feel as though it's there at all uh so um yeah it was just it was so powerful and like a, a the warmest of all hugs the whole evening and i honestly could have sat there for another 10 hours and been perfectly okay One of my favorite moments of the night, I just looked over at Chris Tompkins, and he just had this grin on his face from ear to ear. It just, but that was like his resting face. Like, you've heard of like resting bitch face? Chris Tompkins is like resting bliss face. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was really great. It just really um, warmed my heart to see because it just felt like he was just receiving good medicine, you know. <laughs> maybe maybe that's not your experience, Chris, but that's what I was projecting onto you. <laughs> yeah, no, I was definitely receiving it. I was telling Sushant, my experience was, uh, you know, I, I think we've all been to hear people speak before, and, I mean, I, I've even heard her speak before, and it was wonderful the first time, but... Uh, this past time, it was just a really, um, I, I, I had never felt so, like I had never felt so seen before. Um, it was like my soul was being seen. And uh, when she was, you know, looking around at each of us, and even not in the moments that she was actually looking at me directly, it was just her soul was totally there and 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 really seeing us and yeah i guess that was my my biggest my the biggest experience for me was just how seen i felt so it was a beautiful experience yes and i've got to share um Probably several of you don't didn't realize that the pastor of my mother's church was there, was one of my guests, and uh, a Protestant minister of the Congregational Church, United Church of Christ, a gay minister, and I told him about our our congregation, our heart center, and he came and he loved it. In fact, afterwards he mentioned he didn't want to talk very much because he wanted to uh, keep hearing the sound of her voice in his in his mind and he was extremely moved and uh i was just so so happy to see kind of mainstream protestant religion embrace this next higher level of spirituality that she that she embodies that's beautiful brian
was there any takeaways from anything that she said that resonated with anyone? What I've been hearing in my head um, ever since that night is her saying, why would you withhold love? <clears throat> wow, that's exactly what somebody else said in the other class. That She said to, she said exactly like per, almost word for word what you just said. <laughs> My big takeaway was when she said that you are here and what are you here for? And um, I don't know, like when she said that, I just had like chills all over and I've just been thinking a lot about that question. And it's funny because like after when I talk to people after that, it's like different people had like took away different things. And, and like the way that people were talking, I was like, wow, it's, almost like we heard the same thing but like we like we took away or things that stuck out were maybe like completely different or what we needed to hear and what I've been like I was telling Chris this too is like when I was thinking about my apartment and what to do with it and stuff and I was talking to Marianne about it and she said that you know she was like you're here, like, not to worry about bills. You're not here to, like, worry about your apartment and stuff. And she said that, you know, like, the apartment, if it's, like, not letting you do the things that you're here to do, like, maybe it's time to, like, let go. And I remember that, but when she, when uh, Venerable said it, like, you know, you're here and what are you here for? it just, like, hit me in, like, a completely different way in terms of, like, just us all as souls, like, being here. Like, just even the collective, like, being there that night. And, like, when she said that she's been getting um, messages of, like, what we've been doing and stuff, and I thought it was really cool, but my biggest thing was, like, just thinking about, you know, the reflection in the water and that, we are stars, and I've heard it, like, said in scientific ways in terms of, you know, the the particles that we're made of and stuff, but for some reason, those two things really stick out in my mind. Mar, what was your experience? Um, I The, the one takeaway that I, I got from the whole experience was I just felt this incredible amount of kindness coming from her. There was times when I felt as though she was looking right through me. Um, I mean, it was a, I think it was just more of a feeling of just feeling really overwhelmed. And But um, I think what I felt more than anything was just this incredible amount of kindness coming from her and openness and love. And... Um, it was an interesting experience because I don't think that I've 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 felt that sort of openness and kindness from being or standing um in a room with an individual. Um, and uh what Sushant was saying one of the things that, that I think really um what, what one of the takeaways or one of the things that she said was what he said was that knowing why you're here. 
um, I there was a few things that she said that really kind of blew me away, but I, I can't really, I'm just sort of paraphrasing, but she said something about knowing the reason why you're born. And I'm not saying it exactly the way that she said it, but um, basically that idea of all of us coming into this world knowing why. And I thought, wow. But I think it was more of a feeling. I think her kindness was a thing that, that just seemed to sort of blow me away. Yes. And I'd like to just say, too, um, Mar facilitated life support on Tuesday. And uh, Mar, you did such a masterful job at just holding a good container. And um, Chris was talking about it days later. He just kept talking about how great you were. Oh, <laughs> and great thanks. You are. I was yeah, wondering by the chance, by the way, but I was like, okay. <laughs> well, no, but it uh, it really does say something like because you're talking about the unspoken, and uh, it's interesting that that's what resonated with you because I feel like you hold um, it's a different energies and venerable holds, but it's a very strong container as well. And there's a, I feel as though people feel safe to be authentic and safe, like they're, like uh, you create a safe environment for people to share authentically. And that's a real uh, gift, I, I think. And, um, and it's a real testament to your generosity of spirit and your uh, practice of uh, compassion and non-judgment and gentleness with others. So, thank you. Um, yeah, little thank you. shout out. Who else? Who else would just think Mars great? Can I just say how great Mars? I will say that um, I think what you just said is a perfect description of how she uh, walks through the world. It's very true. There is such um, there's such a lack of judgment and compassion, and um, I've personally experienced where her showing up that way has just um, made it possible for people to have major breakthroughs. Yeah. You know, I'd also really like to acknowledge the work that Lisa did at the event. I um, didn't realize it was going to turn into such a job, but I asked her to... kind of stay by the door to sort of usher in people that were coming late, but people were coming for um, Club Med that didn't read the cancellation messages and stuff. And so, uh, Lisa, how was your experience both listening to Uh the teaching and also taking care of the space? Because we have to know that that's not a coincidence that it was you doing it. So I'm interested to hear to, to see like what was the experience like for you because uh, you were the one going through it and you did it so well. Um, yeah, I kind of experienced a lot of the same things everybody else did, even though I was in and out of the room. Somebody told me to come back in the room. I had the door shut because people kept coming in, but uh, I'm glad whoever it was that said you need to come back in the room Whoever that was, I appreciate that. Girl, you that. need to get in here. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, I was glad to go back in the room because uh, I noticed I noticed a lot of things happening. I felt a lot of things, and there was times where she would pause, and I could feel she was just. I felt like a lot of things happening in her pauses, and um, the way she moved her arms, uh, she did this thing with her arm, or both of her arms, and I could feel things uh, lifting off of people and myself. And when she talked about uh, whoever, you know, people in your life that you might have left not in a good way, um, I could feel that transforming, that whole energy there. Just when she talked about the aliens, that's so funny because I had a dream about that that it was the night before. She said, oh, I want to tell a story about, you know, and she was so happy to tell it. And I'm like, wow, she's so happy to tell something about aliens. That's like, I would feel so timid to do that. And yet she was so happy to do it. And I thought, wow, that really helps me because she's so happy about everything, even all the different aliens that are floating around out there. <laughs> so, Yeah. It seems like anything that could happen to you, she saw it as lovely and good and um, just great. Like there's nothing really out there that's not loving and good and great and wonderful. And that's what I really got from her. So why do you think that it's easily received by us when she talks about extraterrestrial or, you know, our brothers and sisters from different planets and different realms. Why do you think it's easier for us to hear it from her than from someone else, maybe? That's a a good question. I don't, I think I, I feel like she's probably had a lot more experiences than I have had and, and I just feel like she's the authority because she's, uh, so loving, she's the. Uh, I just feel like that gives her the authority. It's her love. Mm-hmm. You got it, sister. There's no judgment on it. She's not judging it, so we're not we're not resonating, picking up on her judgment of it or her fear that oh, I'm going to sound weird if I share this, because we're all one mind. So she she knows it. You know, <laughs> she knows it as fact, and she's just sharing information that can help us all from a space of love and so we're receiving it at that. So that's an invitation to us all to consider that when we're teaching anything, when we're offering anything to anybody. Where are we offering it from? Are we offering from a place of knowing and authority and love or is it from a space of, oh, I hope I don't sound weird. I hope people receive this well. I hope, uh, you know, which is something we all have to work through. (laughs) Trust me. And I'd also like to talk, just uh, reference what you said about her working on all of us energetically in those moments of silence. And you're absolutely 100% right. She's recognized as a Dakini, which in the Tibetan Buddhist uh, Tradition is, I think they're called like Skywalkers. 
and their um, the feminine embodiment of the Buddha mind that's fierce. And they have swords, and they cut off your head so they can open your heart. And so my experience always when with her, and sometimes it's after the teaching, is I'll have this like crazy sort of migraine, whatever the step below migraine is. And it's always right up on where my root chakra is, on the top of my head, not in my temples where I usually would get like a sinus headache or something, but on the, the top of my head. And then followed by, shortly thereafter, like this like, ex, this, like real intensity in my heart uh, center. And I get really emotional. It's like right on the edge of weeping. Um, and it, but it's all from a place of life is so beautiful. God is so beautiful. I am so in love with God. And she just reminds me about that why are we here? Why are we here is just to love God, to love ourselves, to love the God in all of us, just to celebrate the beauty of God everywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's just so beautiful. And she's just is such a deep reminder of that because she is living it so clearly. And I just i am so grateful that we have the, I mean, and it truly is, everyone, it truly is an honor to welcome her into our home and to sit with her. And to have that time with her and um, allow her to connect with us and, and offer, breathe the wisdom into us. And Jennifer suggested <clears throat> that uh, I consider somehow connecting with her and having her teach us, uh, sort of like Jennifer does, in some capacity or work something out to that, to that capacity um, you know, in our teleconferencing, and I'm, I'm I'm contemplating that. Though I feel like the in-person experience is so much, it's such a cool thing. Um, but maybe we'll try to do a, a field trip out to Vermont to get a group of us that uh, might want to save our shekels and go in the spring or the summer, yes. In July. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool experience because we can camp out on the land. You can literally or intense. And we camp on the land, and uh, we can go for the weekend or for a full week. It's in July. I think it's the first and the seventh um, at the Peace Village. So we, and what's really cool is you have the experience of her on her land, and so you see her as chief too. You see like the strength in each step. Um, so maybe we'll uh, put that in our on our uh, things to accomplish list for the practitioners this year, and we'll figure out. Um, what that would, uh, I mean, maybe if I talked to Molly and Venerable, they would offer us some sort of group rate. And um, we would just have to get ourselves to the East Coast. But uh, it would be a fun thing to try to, you know, create. I think we're powerful enough where we can create that and do some fundraising to make that happen. Um, Cool, guys. So... It's 11 o'clock, and I'd like to turn our attention now to Course in Miracles, but I'd like everybody to feel complete in sharing if they had something they'd like to share about their experience with Interval. So um, if anyone would like to throw something else on the fire, please do so now. Uh, Jesse, one thing I meant to mention earlier, and I don't know if anyone else had this experience, but I was very conscious during that time of, um, the power of her voice, not not the word. I mean, the words themselves were powerful, but the actual sound of her voice um, 
was um like it's it just like its own life force like i i i felt so emotional the entire time i felt like i was on the brink of tears the entire time but it was l- literally in res- i believe in response to the actual sound of her voice and i didn't know if that was an experience anyone else had had She's a, you know, I don't know the word for it, Patsy, uh, but she is, um, it said that her, that her, it's like audio something or other, but the sound of her voice, just the sound of her voice is supposed to be an instrument of healing. Like there's been miraculous healings by people just hearing the sound of her voice. And I'm not sure what that is. And you'll hear, like sometimes she'll be talking and then she'll kind of go and singing a little bit. Yes. Yeah, and I've been into, uh, and you know, Pat, you'll find this interesting. She actually um, considers herself a musician before anything else. Um, and uh, so she really is, uh, she has a couple uh, albums, too, that if you go to her website, uh, I recommend people get them, listen to them. Um, but uh, I've been in teachings where she sings the entire teaching. It's very much a, you know, a Cherokee uh, from the Cherokee lineage. It's very cool. But yeah, yeah, you're you're right on there, sister. Many people had the same experience with um, in 1990 uh, when Mariah Carey released her first album, Mariah Carey's self-entitled album. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the sound of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm writing a thesis on comparing the two venerable Dahani and Mariah Carey. And by many people, you mean Jesse? Um, no, I'm sure that there's at least at least three other gay boys out there that had the similar experience. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You've got me uh, feeling emotions. Are you kidding me? That's actually her second album. Um, I oh, well, I don't know which album it was, but it was very healing. <laughs> before you just make statements like that, I need you to really uh, know what you're... Well, I, I guess, uh, I guess uh, Jesse is number one fan up here. <laughs> Early 90s, uh, Mariah Carey, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's powerful. She's been a very powerful teacher. You know, if, when you quiet your mind, a hero comes along with a strength. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just cast your fears aside. No, you will survive. Um, all right, let's get serious. No, let's not get serious. How about this? Let's never get serious again because, my God, what's the point? So going back to uh, Course in Miracles, everyone, if you will, join me uh, in uh, going back to the um, characteristics of a teacher of God. Uh, and... Uh, we will. Who's next? Uh, let me see. We've gone through joy, gentleness. Should we do gentleness? Who is in charge of gentleness? Is that? Uh, that was that was me, Brian. That's right. That was right, Brian. Perfect person for gentleness, right? I'm um, gentle yeah, and joy was. Tom, actually. And Tom was in Wednesday's class, so I'm just going to read Joy and share some of what Tom shared. So 
If you'd like to join me, it's on page 13 of Manual for Teachers, uh, section 5, Joy. Um, one, joy is the inevitable result of gentleness. Gentleness means that fear is now impossible. And what could come to interfere with joy? The open hands of gentleness are always built. The gentle have no pain. They cannot suffer. Why would they not be joyous? They are sure they are beloved and must be safe. Joy goes with gentleness as surely as grief attends attack. God's teachers trust in him, and they are sure his teacher goes before them, making sure no harm can come to them. They hold his gifts and follow his way because God's voice directs them in all things. Joy is their song of thanks. And Christ looks down on them and thinks as well. His need of them is just as great as theirs of him. How joyous is it to share the purpose of salvation? To quote Venerable Dahani again, why, why are we here? To be joyful. Joy is an inevitable result of gentleness. Um, they are sure they are beloved and must be safe. Oh, how wonderful is that? So joyfulness is an is um, an expression of truth, knowing that we are safe, knowing that we are loved, knowing that we are loved. So joyfulness is the natural state of those who are standing in truth. So because we're... you to have fresh off our experience with Venerable, who I think is a perfect example of this, we see her gentleness. We see how she giggles and laughs and tells jokes when she's just simply being, when she's giving a wisdom teaching. She's not, there's an um, air of honoring the teachings, but she's not, doesn't have her head so far up her own ass that she's you know, taking herself so seriously. So there's a real gentleness and joyfulness there. Mm. I love it. Okay. Um, Defenselessness. Uh, Defenselessness. That's Chris Tompkins, yeah? Yes. All right, Chris. Um, Are you ready to share on defenselessness? Sure. Great. All right. I'm going to put on five minutes. You have five minutes. Uh, you have the floor for five to teach us all about defenselessness. Okay. <clears throat> um, so I'll go ahead and read it first. Um, defenselessness. God's teachers have learned how to be simple. They have no dreams that need defense against the truth. They do not try to make themselves. Their joy comes from their understanding who created them. And does what God created need defense? No one can become an advanced teacher of God until he fully understands that defenses are but foolish guardians of mad illusions. The more grotesque the dream, the fiercer and more powerful its defenses seem to be. Yet when the teacher of God finally agrees to look past them, he finds that nothing was there. Slowly at first, he lets himself be undeceived, but he learns faster as his trust increases. It is not danger that comes when defenses are laid down. It is safety. It is peace. It is joy. And it is God. So it was interesting that um, 
this was the section that I had because I had a few, I've been working with this. Um, there's a lesson in the, in the course that says in my safety or in my defenselessness, my safety lies. And what prompted me to go to that lesson at the beginning of the week was these where I was getting, there were a few experiences that I that I experienced directly that had to do with defenselessness or being defensive. The first was last uh, last week. I was working at the Abbey and it was towards the end of my shift and I had these uh, group, this group of people come in and they were pretty intoxicated. Two girls, two guys, young, early 20s and uh, they came in and um, I carted the two guys the two girls I had served before, so I already I had already carted them. The two guys I carted them, and they just were really intoxicated and really. I, it was literally I was getting off. Um, I was just waiting for the girl to come relieve me, and uh, and I said to, I I told the guy I was like I I don't feel comfortable serving you. Like you seem a little intoxicated. Like when I asked him for his ID and he pulled it out and like put it in my face and and uh. And so I walked across the bar and I, at that point I was by myself behind the bar and I walked across and I just, I heard them yelling, like not yelling, but I heard them complaining and just saying some really mean things. Um, and the bar was, was pretty much full. It was around 7 PM. And so people were sitting like around them next to them. And I heard them saying really mean things, but I just kind of tuned them out and I was pulling my drawer and getting my money and the guy yelled at me. He was like, hey, bartender. He's like, what are you? He's like, are you just a fucking faggot? And he, like yelled and literally it was like the record stopped. And everyone just like looked at me, kind of waiting for my response, like waiting for me, thinking I was going to, you know, I felt like they were like wanting, they're like waiting to see me jump over the bar and, you know. And I walked over, I was so shocked that he used that word, um, especially being that we're a gay bar and he's with his boyfriend and his two lesbian girlfriends. And I walk over and I look at him point blank in the face and I, I was like, did you, just, did you just drop the F-bomb? And he looked at me because I think he was, he, 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 I, I feel like his guard was up and he was, he was waiting to be attacked. And when I said, did you just drop the F-bomb? That's not what he was anticipating. And he, it, it almost like he like had to collect himself. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I did. And I was like, wow, wow, that's, that's, really, that's, really, that's really sad. And I walked away. And I heard, you know, they were saying some, still kind of saying some mean things. And people around were like, their faces were the their jaws were dropped and i and I was a little shaken up um but I walked away and I was just really kind of just i was more sad of anything um but I was really defenseless and a few minutes later, his friend came over and she apologized and she was really taken aback and it was you know everyone kept on like coming up to me and they were shocked and you know, so that was the first incident. Um, 
And then what that actually gave me was that gave me a story to share at a workshop that I gave this past Friday at a conference that some of you are familiar with, but it was all about, I mean, it was just, it was almost like that experience was something that I was able to share versus this awful story. And then the second thing really quick is that um, this week I had another thing come up work-related at the Abbey um, where I was confronted by my managers um, about something that, like, I really was, you know, it was, it could have been a very fearful thing. I'm not going to lie. I had to go through some of my own internal work, but the whole time that it was happening, I kept saying in my state, in my defenselessness, my safety lies, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. And it was almost like a mantra that I had used the entire day, and um, I felt like I was able to withstand the storm, if you will, um, by being defenseless, ultimately. So that's what I'd like to share about that. You know, Chris, I really uh, would like to just acknowledge how, I mean, you really are a teacher. You are a teacher of God, and I just would like to breathe that again into your consciousness, into your awareness, that you are so such a teacher. The way that you apply these principles, demonstrate these principles in your work at the Abbey, it is, oh, it's so beautiful, it truly is, and that you have the, you created a platform in which you get to reflect upon this and share um, the wisdom, the loving wisdom, that's what we talked about, about harvesting the loving wisdom with others to support them in transforming their own fears. It's just so beautiful. And um, Chris uh, was talking to Venerable about Portland, about how he loved moving to Portland, how he loved living in Portland. And one day he was contemplating that we might move to Oregon or something like that. And um, this was in reference to traffic, being in traffic in the city and how challenging it can be. And Venerable just looked at him and he, she said, you know, she said, you know, that's something Jesse would say. She goes, living in Portland, uh, living in Oregon is easy. It's simple. Living in Oregon is simple. You're being a service living here. You're being a service living in Los Angeles. Meaning there's so many opportunities uh, to strengthen our ability to, you know, know the truth. Uh, It's more challenging here. It really is. I feel like in this space, in a city like Los Angeles, with everything that we move through, it is um, a training ground for enlightenment, period. Period, period, period. And um, I think that you share such wonderful examples of that through your um, stories from the Abbey. And, yeah, listen, I know that you'd prefer to be giving workshops for full time, but I also see, and I'm sure that you do too, when you allow yourself to see the benefit in working there as well. Like, it is so, uh, it's really, I mean, I, I feel like you are working there because, um, it's like if we were talking about like that bl- the blueprints that we've um, learned about in the testimony of life, I feel as though like 
it is supporting you in playing a big game because I feel like you're interested in playing a big game. And it is the perfect place for you to just become masterful, like a master at these spiritual tools. It's not the monastery for you. It's right there in the abbey. <laughs> Funny, ah, the abbey. Yeah, anyway. But uh, that the it's your abbey, you know, like you're learning, you're really learning it. And I know, like I know that I know that it is only um, strengthening every spiritual muscle you have and uh, transforming you through the fire, Chris, transforming you into a masterful, powerful teacher of God. I know it because you share so eloquently on it and just knowing like what you taught that guy in your response, not your reaction, your response to him, and that the next time it will be even more loving. And the next time it will be even more loving and until you start experiencing an instantaneous healing on, with both of you, miracles with both of you. I just think what you're doing there is so beautiful and your, um, your talent, the talent you have and clearly sharing, eloquently sharing your experiences there. It's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. And thank you for sharing. I hope that was really great. Um, would Does anyone else have questions? Uh, maybe three people with questions for Chris or comments? I would just uh, echo Chris what uh, Jesse said. I I have such uh, I have such deep respect for you, admiration for you, and the way that you live out these principles. And um, it's just it's very encouraging to me. It's really inspiring. So I thank you for that. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you. Defenselessness, anyone? Questions? I get such a kick. It makes me laugh when this group of people who I know intimately pretend to be shy. There's this group of people, you guys are talkers from, <laughs> from morning <laughs> till night. <laughs> All right. Well, well done, Chris. Thank you very much uh, for your share. Well done. Thank you. Uh, generosity. I think that's Mike, yes? No, I'm faithful now. Sushant. No, but you already went that, right, Sushant? Yeah, I did. Okay. And then um, Amina did patience on Wednesday, and it was so great. Um, pretty much what we just talked about, patience is a attribute of knowing the truth. When you know the truth, when you have trust, so patience is an attribute of trust. When you trust that all your needs are met, that your greatest good is always unfolding, then how could you possibly not have patience? Now, patience, another version of patience is judging the situation that you're in, saying that I'm going to be patient until what I really want shows up. But true patience, true patience, and I think we have 
a lot of these uh, clarifications in the course, like true with a capital T patience and true with a capital T forgiveness and your truth with a capital T self. Uh, true patience is, um, and again, there's some noise in the background so we want to mute out ourselves. Um, true patience is uh, what happens when we have um, unlimited trust that all of our needs are met, everything is being taken care of, always, always, always. Think about that. Think about that. Think about a scenario or a situation in your life that seems to be um, just lagging around. Like, when is this going to change? Well, what kind of patience are you practicing? So the question is not, when is this going to change? The question is, Holy Spirit, what do I need to know? What is here for me to know? Holy Spirit, what is going on here? What is the wisdom that is um, ready to express here? Not what needs to change. What must I need? To, what, what do I need to know here? And let me know it so that I can transform it. I'm committed to transforming it. But I know that where I am is where I'm supposed to be. I know that because what else could be the truth? Nothing. So obviously there's something here for me, for my not just for me, but for my greatest good, for the evolution of my soul, for the evolution of my awareness of love's presence. It is here now. I trust that. And that is where true patience comes from. And also knowing the truth. Compassion also is an extension of trust, of real truth, knowing that. And p- true patience supports, cradles compassion. True patience is, I am knowing the truth for you. I'm not going to rush you through your awakening. That is your job. But I'll continue to hold the truth for you. I will continue to forgive you. I will continue to hold the space of unconditional love for you until you recognize and until you join me. But my hand is always extended. True patience, y'all. Bam. Mic drop. Faithfulness. Whose faithfulness? I'm faithfulness. Let's hear it. We're all faithfulness, though, I think. (laughs) Five five minutes on the clock. Go for it. Okay. Um, Well, first of all, I just want to say that I'm grateful I received faithfulness because uh, it's definitely something I strive to embody in my life, and I'm sure we all agree um, in that respect. So um, faithfulness in my translation of the material is uh, exploring like all of the characteristics of the teacher of God in order to work harmoniously in all of our lives and um, for the benefit of the greater good. And, you know, over the course of my practice, and I say it like that because it's day-to-day, minute to minute and seconds to second kind of journey for me. But um, over the course of that time, I've worked through some blocks that, you know, my ego would have had me believe be impossible to move through. And uh, I realize it's, it's easier to apply my faith and these principles of action uh, into some aspects of my life than into others. Um, there's actually an attraction prayer 
that Marianne Williamson does where she says it perfectly. Um, she says, dear God, you know and I know that I have more potential for neurosis in this area than in any other. And, you know, we proceed to give that situation over to God. Um, I remember talking to a friend of mine and just expressing in mostly in frustration, but also in sheer amazement that, you know, I've healed thoughts and beliefs surrounding abuse I endured as a kid and, you know, my mommy and daddy issues, <laughs> um, my lack of self-love and, you know, like the inferiority complex. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, like, my finances, <laughs> like dollars and cents, um, I still felt like I was stuck in quicksand. You know, what's up with that? Um, and the Course says here, uh, you know, here in faithfulness, the extent of the teacher of God's faithfulness is measure is the measurement of his advance in the curriculum. Does he still select some aspects of his learning while keeping others apart? Well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, that is definitely uh, something I see playing a role in my life for sure. But, you know, I do love that the Course also reassures us that, you know, each degree, however small, is worth achieving. So to truly embody faithfulness is to recognize and believe that all of our perceived problems, which we know are lessons and opportunities to heal, they only have one answer. And to walk through life receiving in this effect, um, it's, you know, it's, this isn't the obvious answer of the world in this human experience. And that's because this is this knowledge with the capital K is actually not of this world and requires applying all the characteristics that make up the teacher of God into our daily lives. Um, you know, this is faithfulness. It's the act of fully living in our faith as the teachers of God and the experience of all the love that's available for us at, at any time that we chose, we, you know, uh, choose to receive it. And, you know, of course, the ego is basically everything opposite of faithlessness. Um, our, our cleverness turned against it ourselves, um, which is why it's a daily exercise, minute by minute, second by second, situation by situation. Um, but the effects of these, working these attitudinal muscles are so great and so beautiful um, and so loving that it manifests us into the teachers of God. That's our true nature and uh, a return to consciousness that we are one with each other and one with God. And so it is. I don't know how many more minutes I have left. No, <laughs> I feel like I... I yeah, just, you, you did it in four and a half minutes, which I think oh, okay. is <laughs> very, a very good job. Um, beautiful, really beautiful uh work, Mike. And again, you're someone who does a very good job at relating your personal experiences into uh, or uh, weaving your personal experiences into the teachings quite masterfully. Thank you. Sorry. I muted myself so I could sneeze. Um, <laughs> and, um, Bless you. And also, uh, I really value your commitment to continue to go deeper into the course. I know that you feel really drawn to the course as a teaching mechanism, so uh, well done. 
Thanks. Uh, anybody, does anyone have questions? Uh, three, maybe three questions or comments for Mike on faithfulness. Yeah, I uh, I was going to um, echo Jesse in the sense that um, I think especially you and Stephen are very good at tying in your, your personal experiences with the work that we're doing. And um, good job. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, fine. Mar, you're up. Defenselessness. Open-mindedness. Well, what I get from this is that the idea of open-mindedness is to undo judgment. And how we undo judgment is by forgiving. Um, It's uh, about basically being open-minded. It's about... um, not being close to anything or anyone. Um, I think the thing about judgment is that it closes us off to a lot of things, whether we judge ourselves or we judge others. It sort of blocks the flow of allowing us to be present to the truth of who we really are. Um, Holding on to judgment is basically kind of like a closed fist. You you hold on to a lot of things. We hold on to a lot of ideas of who we are or what the world around us is or how it's treating us for whatever reason. And so I think in that sense it blocks us from seeing what's really there. Um, I think... What I also get from this in the reading is that the judgment that we hold for ourselves or for others blocks us from any lessons that we would be able to learn simply because we're just shut off from them. And um, I know a lot of times I've seen it in my own life. I hold on to things so much that I'm not even willing or I'm not, I don't even allow myself to see what's really in front of me because I've, hold, I've, I've held on to the story or this judgment or of whatever experience or whatever situation I'm, I'm encountering at that time, which um, completely closes me off to the possibility of, of anything or just even the possibility of allowing. And um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing right there is to undo the judgment. And how you do that is by forgiving yourself and forgiving others. Um, by allowing that, you open yourself up. You let go of things that no longer serve you, thus leaving room for other things, thus leaving you open to experience other things, lessons, um, and whatever else the universe has in store for you, and also allowing you to see the truth of who you really are. No? Yeah. Two minutes, I have. 
The Course says, all judgment is self-judgment. All judgment is self-judgment. And that is such an invitation for us all. Oh, an invitation for us all to look at, uh, you know, where are we judging other people and what are we judging them for? And then to turn it around and, allow, and acknowledge that it's all a mirror. So Mark kept saying the phrase, you know, forgiveness of our of others and ourselves so we can um, see who we truly are. And that is the formula. That is the key. That is it right there. But really, it's forgive ourselves. When we forgive ourselves, then we see clearly the truth of everyone. Isn't that gorgeous? I love that. Beautiful job, Mar. Uh, who has questions for Mar on defenselessness? On open-mindedness? That's what I meant. I don't know why I keep going to defenselessness, but <laughs> open-mindedness. I think a part of my experience with Mar is her open-mindedness, is her willingness to share her doubts, her fears, and yet to be open to the possibility that there's growth. And I respect that so much about her. It makes it very easy to to talk with her about everything, that there is no fear of um, condemnation because you have a certain opinion or because you're maybe not quite complete <laughs> in, in your growth like we all are. Um, so, so yeah, I just, I love that about her. Thank you, Brian. So let's review the characteristics of God's teachers. One, trust. Two, honesty. Three, tolerance. Four, and tolerance, P.S. Could, we could cross that out and write non-judgment. Four, gentleness. Five, joy. Six, defenselessness. Seven, generosity. Eight, patience. Nine, faithfulness. And ten, open-mindedness. So besides Lisa, who embodies all of these things perfectly, who here, um, <laughs> you do, Lisa. Um, uh, let's go around the uh, the circle, and we're all going to just put on our uh, transparency cloaks, and we're going to share which of these attributes do we find in our own life to be the most challenging to embody? And uh, let's see. For me, I'll be honest and I'll say probably defenselessness might be my most challenging one. Trust, I pretty much got that. Honesty, I'm pretty honest. Not tolerance, yeah, I work on that. 
definitely on a daily basis. Gentleness, I work on that on a daily basis. Joy, I work on that on a daily basis. Defenselessness is definitely a big thing I work on. Generosity, I'm pretty generous, I feel. I'm pretty generous. Patience, uh, I work on that too. Faithfulness, I'm pretty good at that. Open-mindedness, I'm pretty good. I'll try most... Yeah. You know what? I I don't know if it's not being not open-mindedness. I'm just not interested in uh, something. Like, I'm, I... I go where I'm drawn to, and though I trust that there's good information out there, I'm not always open to, like, exploring new books and teachers and stuff like that. I feel like I'm really drawn. I have a specific... Uh, I, I, my, I trust my intuition where I'm led to study spirit with my spiritual practice. So, But, yeah, I would say defenselessness is probably the one that I work the most on, um, that I... Is a little challenging for me. Um, Dushant, what is uh, out of all these? What uh, do you find to be something that you a little most uh, a little challenging for you to embody sometimes? I think for me, it tends to be patience. Um, yeah, sometimes like uh, waiting in the line or for the bus or sometimes if a student is not getting a certain concept after it explained it like 10 different ways. Um, yeah, so for me, it's mostly patience tends to be the big one. And I find like when I'm not, you know, like uh, mindful is definitely when it just starts to like escalate. Um, other than that, I feel... Mm, yeah, I think that's mostly it. It's like even yeah, when, that's, yeah, that's good. Just for the sake of the, <clears throat> not that I'm not being patient with you, uh, <laughs> but for the sake of, so we can move on to the death mode. Let's stick with one. But okay. you actually, Sushant, I think most people would uh, probably agree with me on this. Uh, you are actually wrong. I think that it's the joyfulness that you have the biggest challenge with. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll work on it. I think it that we would, most people would like to see maybe smile a little bit more uh, right. or laugh or practice and gentleness too. Like you really work on gentleness. Like you're so rough around the edges. Um, <laughs> it's hard to embrace. You're not like a hugger or anything. So like. <laughs> That's funny. I imagine my mind, Patsy's laughing. Um, so Patsy, go ahead. How about yours? Um. I, I definitely think it's defensive, defenselessness for me. Um, I, um, I I was sort of bouncing back and forth between that and patience, but I really do feel like um, I've seen so much growth in the in that area of patience over the past couple of years. But defenselessness is still the one that trips me up. Yeah, yep, I get that. Sure. Um, Mar, how about you? Ooh, depending on what day it is. Um <laughs> but um I I uh I defenselessness definitely and I think a lot of it is about my own sense of vulnerability and I think that's where a lot of my my defensiveness comes from. Um lately it's uh which has been an ongoing one for me, um Lately, it's been patience. Um, 
and, uh, you know, open-mindedness. I, I'm glad I kind of got that one because I was able to see how it is that I shut down. And most of it has to do with how it is that I judge myself. Huh. Good information. <laughs> Beautiful. Great. Uh, Chris Hopkins. Yeah, similar to Mar, it depends on, on the day. Um, but I definitely think that the ones that I work on, the maybe the most are trust, patience, and for sure defenselessness. Yeah. Uh-huh. Good. Good information. Great. Brian? You might be on mute, Brian. I I am on mute. My my mom has company here that I'm with, and um, so I have to be with her for the moment. Okay. Um, Lisa. Uh, yeah, it seems like they're all linked together in a way, so it's kind of difficult, but I would, I think the starting point is defenselessness, not for me. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yep, cool, cool, cool. Um, Mike? I think it's definitely a toss-up between defenselessness and patience as well. Wow, interesting. Interesting that we're all sort of on the same page uh, with it. Um, I think that's everybody. Did I forget anyone? All right. Yeah, and, you know, this is not to just, like, point a light on where we feel like we're lacking, but it's just good information for us to, you know, maybe put into, weave into our practice the possibility of, you know, affirming that we are open to uh, embody defenselessness. Show me how. What questions could I ask that would support me in getting more clarity on how I could embody defenselessness in my own life? What am I defending myself against? What do I believe that can attack me? What am I judging of myself? And with patience, it's really great to be like, where do I think I'm going? <laughs> if nothing else, testimony of light, you know, is I think is the ultimate uh, teacher in supporting us in embodying patience. Like there's no hurry. <laughs> there really is no hurry. And the good news is, we all are already enlightened. It's already done. Five-minute break. I'll see you back here at 11.48. Go ahead and keep your phones on, and I'll uh, talk to you soon.
Okay. <clears throat> we are back in full effect. I'm still here. I'm just looking at something. Um So there is a um trying to find the place I'm sorry I uh sorry, I really uh here we go. Okay, good. I know part I'd like to leave. Everybody, my mom just left with her guests, so I'm I'm back with my full attention. Great, cool. Then, uh, Brian, you'll be the first to read. Here's the reading order. Uh, it'll be Brian, and then it will be... Uh, uh, Jesse, I can't read because yeah. it's far. Okay. Uh, it'll be Brian, and then it'll be uh, Chris Tompkins, and then it'll be uh, Patsy, and then Sushant. And those will be our four readers. And everyone else will listen in, actively listening. And you guys will just go paragraph by paragraph. So Brian, Chris, Patsy, Sushant, everyone else will follow along and read. And we're going to read the entire section of the 17th of January. 17th January. If you have the book, it's on page 66 at the bottom. Paragraph by paragraph. Uh, the whole section before it. Okay, so I'm the first paragraph? Yep. Is that correct? Okay, good. The 17th of January. You must by now be realizing the tremendous importance and reality associated with light. If you recall, we worked on Earth as well as we could in the heavy Earth associations trying to attain light but how difficult there to penetrate the inert forces of which seemed to hold us. I wrote in my book, Frontiers of Revelation, of the experience I had of etheric light. Such experiences must be sought more positively and with greater use of the intuitive powers by those in the world who would wish to lift the slow vibrations of the planet. More of this perhaps later. But to teach and learn by experience is the main reason for our communications to you. More and more positively, I am stretching out into the light. By thought and by will, the realization of light surrounding, uh, sorry, surrounding me, interpreting through every stratum of my being, become my study, my concentration, and my meditation at this stage. When I'm not on duty with the souls in the home who need care and help, and even then I make use of the light, I will myself into light, asking that light may be afforded me, 
that my soul and spirit may become as one infused light, that I may live and move in the light which is the creative will. This is a wonderful, thrilling experience. When I caught but a glimpse of light on earth, and it uplifted and changed me, and changed also the direction of my life, that impermanent glimpse was as nothing to the immersion of light that is possible here. I appear to lie in my garden, yet in the power of this light, my mind and spirit stretch out into a glorious extension. I become conscious, if only partially, of the world beyond world of thought, even beyond thought into being. Psychiatrists would call these subjective experiences, yet what do any of us really know of these subjective extensions of the mind? Here we are, mind. Step down to our individual potency, I grant, but still mind, untrammeled by the destructive and apparent reality of matter. Therefore, by thought and will, we can travel far out beyond what constitutes our immediate circumstances, if we wish. As I think I have stressed before, this stretching out into light and life can appear as a dream extension, yet conversely it is true and real to the dreamer. Perhaps it is reality itself. At my present state, I cannot know. Maybe I can illustrate by an example and the explanation of what happened or appeared to happen, if you wish, to me. I used the word appeared guardedly because I'm still trying to synchronize an inner spiritual experience with the extension of the subjective mind of the psychiatrist and the unconscious mind of the oculist in terms of earth. It's occultists. The occult. But what I have learned and gained by my experience is invaluable, thrilling, and fills me with renewed, renewed hope and joy. My experience happened during the last season of willing and praying myself into the light. I was transported, how do I not know, to another place, another sphere, another mansion in this world maybe another planet, but if this, I have no con- conclusive knowledge. Suffice it to say that sudden, suddenly and immediately I was conscious of being in a great atmosphere of learning. I realized that I was in a university, yet it was much more than that, for there were halls of learning and a pervading atmosphere of thought which thrilled my soul and satisfied a deep yearning in me. The buildings appeared Grecian in character, clean of line of sym- symmetrical, It was as though one imagined, or remembered perhaps in some deeply buried soul memory, how how such buildings should look. There were outer courts and beautiful vistas of gardens where fountains of light played. Here there were many souls, groups of students, sometimes surrounding one who appeared to be a teacher, intent upon his discourse, or composed in deep meditation with him sometimes in clusters eagerly discussing together, and sometimes a student alone and apart in contemplation. These here were of all types and uh, from all nations. I knew that this man, in his last incarnation on the earth plane, had been dark-skinned. He was a Chinese, an Indian, a red-skinned. They were not different now, yet inwardly one was cognizant of the race to which they had lately belonged, or latterly belonged, sorry. 
All had an air of concentrated clarity of thought and purpose, which clothed them like auras, brilliant and shimmering, yet varying in color and in degree of intensity. I was thrilled. I gazed around me and saw the inner halls, or maybe temples. I noted that the doors of these stood wide open, yet none of the students in the outer court seemed to proceed within. I wandered freely about amongst the groups and through the avenues and groves. Here, here I told myself is my university of the spirit, and the memory of my longing for the materialization of just such a university on earth filled me now with a new joy in this heavenly accomplishment. I attached myself first to one group and then another. As I wandered, I thought I recognized faces that I had known or figures familiar through their fame or their accomplishments on earth. Yet I could not be sure. I thought I saw your husband in one group in this court, intent with others on the discourse of a teacher, too immersed in the subject. He only acknowledged me by a quick turn of the head as though surprised to see me, and I went on. I must find my place, I kept reiterating, in this great city of learning. I felt I was in some ecstatic dream, so uplifted and transported in my mind was I. This is heaven indeed. Always this has been my objective, like some half-forgotten vision of reality. Now I know, I exulted, that such universities of discourse and study exist. It is so, and I too shall attend when I discover the teacher whose curriculum contains the knowledge I seek. The thought came to me suddenly. What of the inner courts? And I found myself with the speed of thought to which I am only slowly become, becoming acclimatized. Ascending the steps towards one of the great doors which stood open, here I felt was revelation indeed. But when I reached the top step, a light blinded me. The, sh the shock stopped my progress. I stood still, blank in mind and dazed, unable to push my way into this blinding flash. I was aware that the brilliancy of this life was too much for my state. Immediately, something seemed to be extinguished, extinguished within me. My own light had become dimmed. I had the inexplicable experience of shrinking. Again, I felt the strange, half-frightening sensation of dwindling and dwindling. And I was back in my garden. This expansion of consciousness had been, had been checked. I felt deflated and defeated. Sushant? By what, I asked myself. <laughs> By my own egotism, my own inadequacy, I, who had not yet qualified for attendance in the outer courts, had dared to try to penetrate within. To say that my spirit was shaken is an understatement. It has taken me periods of deep self-examination and earnest seeking for sufficient light to see this experience in the clarity of unemotional understanding. I was always too precipitate, always a seeker too eager to go on and go forward, to break by force the frontiers of revelation. On earth, you remember, I had envis envisaged a university of the spirit, 
I had longed to be part of such a movement. I had worked with this glimpse of the vision in my mind. The the vision may have been right, but the approach to it um, savored of egoism, the egoism of the limited human mind, which has to be cleansed and stripped before the higher pattern of the spirit can manifest. I see now that the thought pattern on earth is not geared sufficiently high above the material and the personal to hold such a possibility. I have had to learn, too, that I am far from ready to participate as I had hoped. I am not yet entitled, it seems, to be enrolled in the outer courts of these halls of learning. Perhaps by the time of another incarnation, who knows? One can only realize one's errors and go forward into greater understanding. But now I am content. The vision is still with me, complete and satisfying. The hope of further teaching and progress. I must make myself ready by continued service as well as by facing myself and learning of my defects, ready for that transition to a sphere for which my whole soul yearns. Meanwhile, there is much to do, much to learn, so many new facets of this life with which to experiment and finally to which to adjust. And always the light is here, that light of the spirit which must be enhanced in me so that I can abide in it and it in me. When this has at last been accomplished, even to some small measure, I know that I shall be allowed to proceed onward toward my soul's desire, that is, to become a pupil in the outer courts, to mingle with those great and exalted minds, to listen to truths propounded by masters and teachers of wisdom, to imbibe such wisdom, and to have my soul opened to the eternal realities. Nothing stops one from doing what one wishes here, except one's own inadequacies. So, why do you suspect I had us read this together? And is there any part of this reading that you can relate with? <laughs> yeah, we are together in the halls of learning. I, I feel like I've been wanting to be in a school and this in so many ways is my school, and I'm so excited about it. Just to me, it brings up that, uh, the characteristic of God that I work on, which is uh, patience, and the idea of just, you know, it, it, the answer is before us, but we have a journey to get to that place and we'll get there, but we're not there yet. It kind of brings up those issues for me. Yes. Yes. That's what so resonated with me as well. All that, all the torture I put myself through because I wanted to be more enlightened than I, I wanted to feel more enlightened. I wanted to, uh, be more quote unquote spiritual than I was. The times that I beat myself up for going into judgment or gossip or something to that extent. And I think she writes, she shares so beautifully here an experience of of that, of how she had to even in this realm, like it was her ego, her her desire 
to be there that put her in a that put that put her in a space of thinking that she could hang with like the full awareness of these light beings when she wasn't there yet. She wasn't fully aware of her luminous self, her true self. I think it's so great. But this this book brings me so much comfort because it just feels like one, it feels like she's having the time of her life. <laughs> okay. It feels like she is having the time of her life exploring her divinity and being of service and learning through service. And this idea, when we've talked about initially uh, shifting the angle of our belief so that we can open up the possibility of understanding that we simply continue on. We simply continue on the journey of understanding who we truly are. Surrounded in helpful, loving environments that are conducive to our experiences here on this plane. And there's still so much more to understand and learn and to support other people in doing so. Now, another um, something that I'm going to introduce into the conversation now, today, uh, which I introduced on Wednesday into the other group was, when I shared this book with Muriel, Reverend Muriel, years ago, she read and she loved it. And uh, she told me, uh, we were at lunch or at a session or something, and she said, she goes, you know, I think that we are at this stage now. I think that we've evolved to this plane, pretty much to the plane where she's at now, where our thoughts manifest instantly, where there's no secrets, where um, we're living in the realm of uh, mind. Um, this book was written in the 60s, right? What's the publishing date on it? Like, I think it's like the early... Oh, it's, Let me look. I'm actually curious. Uh, so originally published in, was it 69? Copyright 1969. So this book was written, what, uh, 76 years, uh, 46 years ago? And with all of the rise in the New Thought movement since this, uh, you know, the self-realization um you know, Buddhism, uh, Dalai Lama uh, fleeing Tibet and becoming a global figure. So much light, so much light into the awareness, into the consciousness, the collective consciousness. And we've seen such amazing shifts that uh, I tend to agree that I feel like we are, you know, in a way participating at the level that she's writing from now because we know there's no secrets. We know how it manifests in our life. Mike, you said I completely relate to this thing of patience wanting to be more spiritually um, aware than I am and the frustration that arises as a result of it. So she's sharing very similar experiences that we are experiencing now. And like Brian said, we're in the halls of learning as well. And it's all learning directed towards the understanding of our true nature. And we keep saying true nature, true nature, true nature. Our true nature is luminous. 
It's light. And I don't think that we fully comprehend what that even means. How could we? We haven't experienced ourselves as it yet. But there's an intuitive nudge that keeps us going towards the light. And that's why I think this is so great. (laughs) Because I feel like we are... Uh, the the work that she says that they're doing, that she describes in this book, is working. And we are becoming more aware of the light and the importance of the light and these qualities. We're all growing. We're all evolving in this direction. I think it's really cool, really exciting. And to know, too, that when we release these earth bodies, these earth suits or whatever we'd like to call them, the vehicles, we return it to the dealership, uh, we just continue on this quest, this journey of peeling off the layers of misperception to our true identity. Who would like to share? Well, you know, I'm having this experience. I'm sure, uh, I, I'm sure I'm not alone in it. Um, just the shares that happened in class today alone are evidence of that. But um, we are given opportunities every minute of every day to uh, to expand and to put into practice these things um, that we first receive in a in a theoretical way. I mean, there's resonance for us. We, we're we in this class, for instance, and we hear things that resonate as true. So in the deepest part of ourselves, we know it is the truth, but it becomes true for us once we are, once it's activated in our, in our lives. And, and, um, you know, I had this experience this week, uh, Justin and Mar, you're both aware of it, but I, I had an experience of being um, robbed by two guys who were carrying guns, and it was a terrifying experience. Um, and um, allowed me the chance, while it was happening and in the hours afterwards, the immediate hours afterwards, to have the experience of examining what my stories are and um, to um, do some a little Byron Katie work and say, you know, are these stories true? And to recognize that they aren't. And to just have that. I'm loving this experience of having a smaller and smaller amount of time between um, reacting in a way that has become habitual but not serving me and course correcting that. It just takes seems to take less and less time. Um, so in an experience that on the face of it was one thing, what it actually turned out to be for me was an opportunity to spend the rest of that day seeing my um, supposed attackers as an opportunity to see others as one with me, connected to me, and to be able to have the great 
joy, the great honor of sending light to those beings because they are, in fact, me. Those two men um, are me. And um, so each experience we're having in life, whether it's standing in line at the grocery store or being robbed at gunpoint or whatever, is an opportunity for us to step more fully into the light and and to recognize that every single thing that's happening around us um, is is part of a hall of learning. Okay. I think like that Patsy, like in terms of you know stepping into more, I think that's what really clicks for me in this whole passage is because. It makes me think of, like, if someone who is just starting to study algebra were to go into university and take an advanced calculus class, and how would they feel? Like, they would feel, like, shut down. They would feel like, oh, my God, like, I don't know anything that's happening. And they might, like, have to leave that. The same thing if, you know, someone who's just starting to dance and goes and tries to take a master class with the New York Ballet, how would they feel? They probably wouldn't be able to keep up. So in in the entire book, there's emphasis constantly on awareness of the density of this realm. And so, you know, things over there where she talks about thoughts are known to everybody and things like that, which correlates to the Course in Miracles in terms of one mind. But in this realm, I feel like our practice then becomes like being present into the moment and like, you know, going deeper with like meditation practices because I find like where truth is revealed for me has been in those moments of being completely aware and present to my surroundings, whether it's being on the bus, whether it's like, a break between classes and, like, in meditation. So when I'm just, like, having that moment in the morning and at night Mm -hmm. where I'm just, you know, welcoming the day and then, like, blessing it at the end is where I feel like I'm strengthening those muscles in order to, like, you know, have more sort of truth uh, being revealed to me. Yeah. And what did she say was the solution? What did she What did she say? Uh, she says, let me see. But now I am content. The vision is still with me, complete and satisfying. The hope of further teaching and progress. I must make myself ready by continued service, as well as by facing myself and learning my defects, ready for the transition to a sphere for which my whole soul yearns. Um. Meanwhile, there is much to do, much to learn, so many new facets of this life with which to experiment and finally to which to adjust. And always the light is here, the light of the spirit which must, which must be enhanced in me so that I can abide in it and it in me. When, the, when this has at last been accomplished, even to some small measure, I know that I shall be allowed to proceed onward towards my soul's desire, that is, to become a pupil in the outer courts to mingle with those great and exalted minds, to listen to truths propounded by masters and teachers and wisdom, to imbibe such wisdom and to have my soul open to the eternal realities. Nothing stops one from doing what one wishes here except one's own inadequacies. And, of course, when she says inadequacies, 
she's saying, uh, what word could we substitute for inadequacies? Unrealized potential? Um, yeah, that's, well, no, I don't think that's inadequacies. I think that's just unrealized potential. <laughs> okay. Um, starts with the B. Beliefs, our beliefs, our beliefs. Our beliefs are our own inadequacies. It's the beliefs that we are inadequate, right? It's the beliefs that, so pretty much what she's saying is there's work to be done and through service. And guys, I got to tell you, I really have been contemplating. You know, each of us, each one of us have decided, whether it be intentionally or subconsciously, to do this work, this spiritual path, through the path of community. Really think about that. Through the path of community, a huge part of this program, I didn't even realize it was going to be such a big part, but a huge part of this program is service in community and participation in the community. And that is much different than an individual path. Many people do not resonate with that and they want to just, you know, uh, do it on their own. They don't want that element of working with others. But I am finding that uh, working in community, within community, is such a powerful and challenging but uh, supercharged approach. And I personally feel like it saves us time because we have that serve, that element of service. And we also have constant opportunity to see where we are projecting our junk onto other people. So we get to practice the defenselessness. We get to practice, I mean, it's just a constant opportunity to purify our thinking, purify our thinking, purify our thinking when we're in community because we have to because we're in relationship with other people. And then what is service? What is service but bowing to the worthiness, the truth of our brothers and sisters that we are serving. We are bowing to them. We are being of service. We are being the servant. We are bowing to the brilliance, the beauty, the majesty in those around us. It is so powerful to be a service, guys. And it's no mistake that she goes, there's much service to do. Now I'm content. The vision is still with me. I must make myself, and she's making herself ready by continued service, by continued service. She's making herself ready through service. I mean, I just think that's so beautiful. She's making herself ready to be in alignment with pure light essence through service. I'm reminded what uh, Baba Ramdas's guru, Neem, guru, Neem Karoli Baba said. He said, love everyone, serve everyone, and remember God. These are the, the three the three highest aspects of the work. And I would add on to that, and when possible, shake your guru thing. <laughs> right, that's my head. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, we continue our adventure through Testimony of Light. Um, so our reading for Testimony of Light is going to be through Hold 
let me find it. Uh, because we don't have class next week, everybody. Just a uh, heads up. No class next week. I believe, yes. Okay. So it's through the 19th of February. I think it's the 19th of February. Uh, let me double check. It might be through the 25th of February, but I think it's at page 105. So from where we are, it's page 105. Let me just yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it is. It's through uh, the nineteenth. Uh, through the nineteenth of February. And um, if you could write this down, your homework assignment or testimony of flight, and this is what you'll be sharing in the Facebook group. So you'll read through page one hundred five, the nineteenth of February, and the question is. There's it's kind of a two part question is share your thoughts and takeaways from the story about the artist. And the second part of that question is, when have you been the artist? Share your stories, thoughts, take it to share your thoughts and takeaways on the story or experience with the artist. And when have you been the artist? And that's your homework uh, to post in the Facebook group. And see if you can do that, you know, I don't know, by Friday. And I'll send a Course in Miracles homework assignment later. But just for now, read to page 105 and answer the question, what's your takeaways, uh, what's your takeaways about the artist story about the artist and when have you been the artist? All right, with eight minutes left in class, it is the week before Thanksgiving. So let us go around the circle, and everyone will say one word to describe the person whose name I call. One word, and we'll go around the circle. Everybody has to say one word to describe the person. And P.S., I don't think I need to remind everyone that it's a loving word. So things like mm, work in progress, uh, probably not what we're going to say. <laughs> so let's begin with Lisa Lucius. And I get to go with first word. First word for me, Lisa Lucius, always is hilarious. Wise. She's very wise. You are very wise, Lisa. Thank open. You. I would I would say very open. Very open. Authentic. Yeah. Unpretentious. Funny. Real. Well, Lisa, you're walking around the world as an authentic, real, funny, wise, hilarious expression of the divine. Happy Thanksgiving, my love. I am so grateful for you. Thank you. I appreciate it, everybody. Thank you. Yes. And how about Chris Tompkins? I'll start with Chris Tompkins. Um, Bodhisattva. 
Grace. Leader. I'd say leader. I'd say giving. Giving. Integrity. Dedicated. Centered. Well, Chris, you walk around this planet as a giving, dedicated, centered, graceful bodhisattva that leads. That's pretty powerful. What an expression of the divine. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm grateful for you. I love you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. How about Mar? Um, I get to go first. So Mar is, oh, gosh. I think that's my word is, ooh, gosh. That's my word for Mar. I'd say humble, very humble. Devoted. Passionate. Lisa, you go. Insightful. Brian? I said open. Open. Uh, Honest. An open, honest, insightful, devoted, passionate, ooh, gosh, expression of the divine walking the planet. I love it. Shine your light, Mama. I love you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And how about Patsy? Oh, I get to go with Patsy. Patsy is... Mm. Ooh, spiritual velvet. I'd <laughs> <laughs> say uh, soulful. Wicked, wicked smart. Yeah, I was going to say extremely intelligent. Goddess. Graceful. Um, God. Depth. Depth. So a graceful goddess of extreme intelligence and beauty and velvety to the end. What a divine expression of light on the planet. How to think Um, and Thank you, Jesse, for giving me my new dancer name. <laughs> spiritual, spiritual velvet? Yes. <laughs> or at least a new clothing line. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, how about Brian Bucchiarelli? Uh I get to go first. I'm going to say, uh, ooh, I'll say Baba. Kind. Defenseless. Joyful. Innocent. Skilled. Sweet. Very sweet. A kind, open, skilled, joyful Baba walking this planet, shining his light. Happy Thanksgiving, Brian. We love you. Thank you, everybody. Love you, too. And Sushant Naidu is ooh, uh, 
Tigger. Loving. Fountain of joy. Wide open. Expansive. Artful. Um, full of wonderment. Ooh. An expansive, open, joyful, loving... Uh, did you say did you say fountain of wonder fountain of wonderment? No, I, I, I said full of wonderment. Full of wonderment, spiritual tigger. That is what you are, sir. Happy Thanksgiving, <laughs> and I love you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. Thanks, guys. And I think we have Mike Marinkovich, the last one. So, Mike. Oh, let's see. What is Mike? Mike, I'm just going to say minister. Love. Servant. Open-hearted. Kind. It's a very kind. Did somebody say Buddha? Yep, that was me, bald Buddha. <laughs> a Buddha minister. You're a Buddha minister that's kind and wise and oh, and and a bag of chips. Thank I love you. you out there in New York. Yeah. Keep shining your light. Keep 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 the East Coast bright, brother. I love you. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Love you guys. Beautiful. Oh, guys, I love you. What a great group. I didn't forget anybody, did I? Actually, Jesse, we have to do you, so I'll go first. Jesse is super nurturing, very nurturing. Jesse is a wellspring of yes. <laughs> Jesse is continuously expansive. Jesse is so giving. Jesse is high vibrational. The laugh, the laughing Buddha, Hotai. <laughs> Teacher. Hmm. I'll take it. I'll eat that. I'll put that as a side dish. All of the side. Well, maybe that's my main course of Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much, and um, I look so forward to seeing those of you who uh, can make it tomorrow at the ordination and who are participating. If you are participating in the uh, in the ceremony. It's going to be a 10 a.m. rehearsal for all of those who are coming. We're just going to run through it just so it feels um, like there's some good flow, okay? So 10 a.m. tomorrow at the center. Um, and also following that, Monday, uh, Club Med, I'm going to put this out for everybody, is that the fourth club, fourth Mondays now are open for practitioners uh, so if you feel like you would like to lead a meditation class or have a specific class that you'd like to experiment with, please do so. Let me know. Write a little one page on what the experience would be, how you would run it. It's one hour in length. And uh, we'll get you guys on the books. And this Monday, Patsy is leading a special night of gratitude. 
and it's going to be an open mic, and people can share stories of gratitude or songs or poems or anything. Cassie, I'm sure, will have plenty to share. <coughs> it's open to the public. And uh, the way that Club Med works, guys, is uh, payment-wise, is the extra bit of service, but also the instructor gets uh, 50% of whatever is brought in for the night. So a little something to gas money or something. Pretty, sometimes you make actually a really great amount of money. So. Um, so something for you guys to start getting paid as a teacher to really stand in that. I think that's really beneficial. And um, But also, with that said, I also encourage everyone to come and support the practitioners that are doing it. Same goes for uh, um, life support. If you can, uh, come support your uh, fellow practitioners who are going to be coming in. And by the way, uh, life support, two Tuesdays a week are open for people to start filling in. And it's a great way to just start practicing your facilitation skills and counseling skills, your group skills. So if you're interested in facilitating life support, let me know, and I'll start plugging you into the um, the schedule. And life support as well is uh, 50% of whatever is brought in you can uh, uh, is offered to the instructor. Cool? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love you all so much. Let's put a hand on our heart and taking a deep breath in, a breath of gratitude. So grateful, so thankful for the opportunity to sit in the halls of learning with our uh, classmates, our community members, our brothers and sisters, our tribe members. So good to be here with our spiritual family and celebration and learning and expansiveness. Oh, God is so good. God is so, so good. And God is guiding through each and every one of us, gooding through our lives. We are expressing it and allowing it to be, sharing all the healing benefits with everyone because we are one with them. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. 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 Go with God. And I look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.